<sighs> so grateful and so thankful to join together to live a life of love. So grateful and so thankful that our hearts are open, our minds are free. So grateful and thankful that things are just as we wish them to be, that the infinite power of God is in our mind and we are recognizing it. We are consciously attuning to the higher Holy Spirit self. We're letting go of any sense of lack, limitation, or separation. We're letting go of all victim patterns, all patterns of not good enough and unworthy. We are consciously letting them go, and we are saying yes to the beauty and the truth and the freedom and the wisdom and the clarity and the all good of God. So grateful and so thankful for every morsel of victory. So grateful and so thankful for our healing. We join together consciously to live the love, to be the love, to open ourselves to the absolute truth of our being, our perfection, and the wisdom of God revealed in our awareness. And we share these benefits and so much more with all beings because we're one with them. So grateful that this is the time now and we are saying yes now. In gratitude, we allow it all to be and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Alrighty, we're gonna jump first into a short breakout to just share the victories, the, the insights, uh, the things of the past week that were uh, helpful uh, in healing and awakening. And uh, just a, a short, short breakout, six minutes to share your wins, your ahas, your insights. And um, I'm going to unmute everyone. And we are gonna go, okay, here we go. So uh, back from the breakout, and we, uh, since we have one more Tuesday night class, we're going to see about organizing the last weekend of the year a, um, a call uh, on that weekend. Uh, um, yeah, so we'll see what we can do. And... Um, So let's make the most of today. And uh, what, what I would like to ask everyone is since we all are learning, and I am still having this revealed to me every single day of my life, that the power of our word to call things into being and also the power of our word to push things away. One of the things that I have seen in my life in so many ways and the lives of others is that it is extremely common that we do not or will not accept the answered prayer. We will not accept the answered prayer. Sometimes it feels like I can see in hindsight that it's almost like God is just, you know, shoving it at me, trying to get me to accept it. Please, oh, please, oh, please. 
but still we reject it. And uh, when I first started counseling people the first half a dozen years or so, um, I, I, I was struck constantly by how often I might say something like, they, they, people would set the intention for the counseling session and I would get some intuitive guidance in the counseling session, like, have you ever thought about this or that? And I would feel like that person's angels, that person's higher self uh, was just like saying, you've got to bring this up. You've got to bring this up. You've got to bring this up. So I'd say, you know, have you ever thought about this? And they'd say, oh, my God. Yes, I think about it all the time. Like, oh my God, I have dreams about it. I think about it all the time. And I'd say, and, and, and they're like, oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. Right? So the, the divine blueprint of our life exists. It is, uh, I mean, maybe I could say I believe it exists, but I feel as though I know it exists, that there is a divine blueprint for our life that is the perfect pattern for our life. If every time we made a choice, the highest and best choice, this would be that perfect blueprint for our life. It's there. It's encoded into our very being. And truly, because we wrote it, we know it. We know it. Sometimes people will say to me, um, how do you know that? And it's like, how do you know that? I remember one time Venerable asked me that when I first started um, doing uh, work with her, individual work with her and her mentoring me, she said to me, how do you know these things that you know? I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? How do I know my shirt is purple? How do I know that? Like, okay, how do I know that? <laughs> it's when some things are so obvious, how do you know it? So really, truly, that divine blueprint is known to us and yet, it, it really is that we've got blinders on, we've got self-imposed blinders on. And it's not because we're doing something bad or wrong. This is just the way that we are choosing to experience this human experience. This is part of the human journey. It's like when you ride a roller coaster, It's designed that there are going to be parts where you think you could die. And when you ride a roller coaster, the design of it will include parts of the experience that will make you involuntarily scream, you know, hysterically laugh because you didn't die, right? This is all encoded into the experience. So the experience of blinders and all that, it's, it's not that we're stupid or foolish or anything. It's just part of the experience. It's like when my nephews play video games, part of the experience is very, very challenging. And parts of it are, are more easy and, and fun and playful. And others are really kind of harrowing. It's the way these things are designed. We like the variety of experience. We like the challenge. So in our human experience, one of the things that we all play with is rejecting the answered prayer. Rejecting the answered prayer. So my invitation to you right now is, what is the answered prayer? So what is the feeling? That is the answer prayer. If you could choose one, two, or three feelings to embody, that would be the answer prayer. What would it feel like to live inside that answered prayer? What would it feel like? This to me is so 
profoundly valuable to us. And to me, this is what that deep desire of the heart exercise is all about. What does it feel like? What would it feel like if we were living the answered prayer? How would it feel in our body? How would we feel emotionally? How would our approach to life be different? So, part of our healing is about feeling worthy of the answered prayer. If we don't feel worthy of it, we're going to reject it, right? Part of feeling worthy of it is, do I have the capacity to hold that vibration? Right? This has certainly been true for me. This is one of the things I talk about in the prayer power classes. Because there are so I have witnessed in myself and in so many light workers that I've worked with, one-on-one -on -one and in groups, is that we or yeah. I'll say for myself, I was not really committed to walking the talk, right? To really living the love. I was moving in that direction, but I was definitely not committed. And in truth, until I connected with Venerable, I didn't know anyone who was really committed. I didn't personally know them. I believed that they existed, but in, on a certain level, vibrationally, because I'm so clairsentient and I feel it, I wasn't coming in contact with people that I could feel it. So for instance, I would have a counseling session with a practitioner, a licensed practitioner at Agape, who had taken the same vows that I had taken. And they would tell me, they would break confidence of another client in their session with me. Or they would gossip about another client with me. They would, um, I don't know, just certain things. And I'd think, well, what's, Wait, I thought we had vows. Don't, don't we have vows about that? And so not so much judging them, but really just feeling confused, like, what? What's happening now? And, and seeing spiritual leaders, on a certain level, you could say they weren't intentionally deceiving people. But they weren't telling themselves the truth. You know, it's like, I, I, I see that in our president. Is he always just making stuff up and lying? Or is there stuff there that he actually thinks is true? He thinks he has the biggest brain. He thinks he has the very best people. He thinks he has these things. I don't know. Maybe he does sometimes and maybe he doesn't. You know, and so there's that gray area, which many people experience. They're not even conscious that what they're saying is not actually the truth of it. You know, they're saying that they have no judgments. When I can say, well, what about this thing that you said on Tuesday? That's not a judgment. Seemed like it really was. Um, but they've probably forgotten or didn't recognize that as a judgment. Because 
they're not paying that close of attention. And I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm having a total human experience of this kind of thing as well. And my increasing moment by moment awareness of my uh, lack of clarity, my lack of insight is so helpful to me because I'd rather see, oh, there's a shadow. Oh, there's a half truth. I'd rather see it and feel it, know it than have it be hidden from me. And I think it's really valuable to always be honest about it because then there's healing can happen. Honesty is uh, part of the healing to me to just say, okay, yes, yes, I take responsibility. That was not completely accurate. And I was a little bit delusional at the time and to have no judgment about that, but just to go, what are you going to do? Having a human experience, I take responsibility. Maybe I make an apology and I have compassion. I forget. There's no judgment. So there's nothing to forgive. If there is judgment, I do forgive. So many times we put these veils up in our mind so that we don't see clearly because we are afraid of standing in the truth because we think if we stand in the light of truth, everybody's going to see that we're just a rat infested mess, right? So we shy away from the truth and we want to put up smoke and mirrors. And we, you know, it's why we, we, um, we dye our hair, we have plastic surgery, and we have breast implants and uh, all these different kinds of things. So it's just part of our human experience. We don't need to judge it. We can just notice what is the motivation? How do we feel about it? What would feel even better? You know, What would feel more truthful, more honest? And so for me, one of the things I saw was that so many light workers were playing small because they knew they weren't in integrity. They knew they were looking at, let's say, you know, their clients as being their income rather than I'm there to be truly helpful for my client. You know, my client is my income, my source, rather than God is my source. Or um, practitioners judging their clients, complaining about their clients. I've gone through all these, worked through all these things in my mind, so uh, and had my own experiences with them, and so that's why I feel it's so valuable to talk about it, because when I was working with this stuff internally. I didn't have people I could really talk about it with because I felt ashamed, I felt bad, I felt wrong, and I felt kind of squeezed and stuck by it all. And who was I going to talk about it with in order to have a healing? I was judging myself, so it was inconceivable to me that if I talked about it with anyone else, that they wouldn't judge me too. And that was too much judgment for me. I've got enough on my own. Thank you very much. I don't need yours. So playing small because I don't feel good about myself. And I, I don't wish to have a big exposure. I wouldn't want to uh, be on Oprah and have somebody stand up and say, well, you broke confidence, or you were judgy last week, or, you know, I saw you drink two-thirds of a bottle of wine. What are you talking about? You don't deserve to be here. So, you know, I didn't want to have those experiences. So I was playing small. I thought, oh, well, yeah, you know, let's just go under the radar. And... um Eliminating all of that kind of thinking really helped me to just be who I am and feel free and and feel unafraid of what other people are doing. And it also gave me the capacity to just love, love, love everyone who comes along. I don't have to like everybody who comes along, and I for sure don't. I don't like everybody. 
But it's not important that I like everybody, but I can find the capacity to love everybody, everybody I've met so far. And that's really valuable to me. So I don't have these secret shames. And that is, is really wonderful. So a lot of times what blocks the answered prayer, like for me, I was praying to be successful and to really support people uh, for years and years and years. My, my number one prayer was that my life would inspire and motivate other people to take loving action in their lives to get up out of the lazy boy, turn off the television, and go out of the house and start loving people. That was my prayer, that full thing, including the lazy boy and the television. And I didn't know how that could happen. I, but I didn't think that I had to figure out how. I was working in that direction God would make it happen or not make it happen, not me. And this is what we see in our community, you know, that people will come to class several days a week. You know, people in year two coming to year one and people in year three coming to two and one and all kinds of permutations and showing up to facilitate mastery circles and be study buddies and really putting a huge amount of effort into that. They are, get, you know, you are getting up out of the legacy boy and turning off the television, going to the computer and things like that, but to connect and to be present with yourself and with each other. And it's powerful and it's miraculous and it is exponentially growing, which is beautiful. And our consciousness really is rising up. So let's take a, 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 some time here at this uh, here in the where in the Western world where not all of us but some of us are I mean not the Western world the hemisphere northern hemisphere because uh, conscious of Sonia who's getting uh, having a different <laughs> her her equinox is different than uh, ours here she's getting more light we're getting less um, um, but to, to bring the light of Christ, not from here outwards, and to look at what is the answer prayer that we're rejecting and how are we rejecting it? So you, you've, you've thought about here, what is the answer prayer? How would you feel? What is the answer prayer? How would you feel in that answer prayer? I'm going to invite you to just make a list of two, three, four things that you can see readily that you do that block the answered prayer. What are a few things that you do or maybe that you don't do that block your experience of the answered prayer, that you push it away. And it's always going to be because we don't feel worthy. We don't have the capacity. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not stable enough. It's always going to be we're lacking something that's causing it, the, the belief that we're lacking something. We don't know whether we're lacking anything at all. We might just be not having experience and thinking we need experience. What are the things that we do and don't do? The decisions that we make to do or not do. And then where do you see the resistance? Like you just feel resistant to the answered prayer. It's a the answered prayer is a different vibration. And if we've been used to a certain vibration of lack and limitation and unworthiness, something's off with us, we're not quite there. 
we're sad, we're anxious, we're too angry, we're too sick. But the undoing of it really is making choice by choice. What is it we'd really like? And then let's just look practically on a day-to-day -day basis. That answered prayer, is it your priority? What's more important than that to you on a daily basis, like on a just a foundational level in terms of when you wake up in the morning and you move through your day, where is the priority? All right, let's go into a breakout here and get more clarity through sharing and comparing uh, notes and thoughts and feelings. And then let's come back and break this down and make some decisions. What would you like to do differently? So as we're going into this breakout, the first thing to do really is here before we even go, is if any judgment of yourself is coming up, to give it to the Holy Spirit for healing so that you can move forward instead of uh, bestowing on the self-judgment. because there will always be self-judgment if we allow it. It's, we don't have more or less self-judgment really because of what we're doing or not doing so much as because that's the pattern in our mind. So this is a healing opportunity to release this judgment 
so that we can feel energetically qualified to experience the answer prayer, right? In order to have the answer prayer, we must release the self-judgment. So let's do that first. We can just consciously give it to the higher Holy Spirit self and be grateful that we're aware of it in a safe space. So as we go into this breakout, first, why don't you, so I'll give you 18 minutes. Why don't you go around your group and just say a few of the self-judgments that you're releasing? So I, I, I'm releasing this, judge, I, I, I judge myself for, and I'm releasing that now to the, the healing of the Holy Spirit. Just make, begin and just go around your circle and share a few of those to start. And then share the rest of this in your group. All right, so we're back. Anybody have any major ahas or insights? Breakthroughs? Scott. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be as uh, articulate as I can. So, um, okay. So I have a lot of false beliefs that you know, I've been releasing since I took your forgiveness class back in, in, in North Carolina and been working on releasing these daily as they come up. So like my body shook again, you know, seeing myself as too angry, as a loser, um, um, not deserving. I, I, have, I have here on my wristband, I've been wearing this, it's, it's a band that says I am worthy. And I just look at that just to release that. Um, and my dad the other day called, said, what's wrong with you about something silly? And like, it, it got me more upset because I think I must feel that there's something wrong with me. And so um, my, my answered prayer, I've been, ever since I lost my job, I've been journaling with God and been able to almost like kneel down and watch, have like a conversation and I've been writing everything down and it's brought me so close with God and it's just been a beautiful experience. And today I just started a new job working with special needs kids. Um, and cause this was the job God told me to do and I'm so happy. And um, so my prayer has been um, to be gentle with myself and others and today I was able to, someone said something at work today that I was started to get triggered and I just sent her love. And I just said, Scott, you know, you came too far to you know, let it upset you. And I just was able to do that in the moment. But I find so much of my priority has been like to get a job, to do this, to do that, you know, like a list of things. And I want to just be able to breathe. And my priority is just to breathe in the moment and to be in God's spirit, you know, all the time. And, but the things that have keeping me are the belief that there's something wrong with me, that I have to have an appearance um, to be a certain way. I have to pretend to be a certain way. I can't show anyone. And um, also going into the old habits of being a victim and of yelling at someone else and then yelling at me for yelling at them and all those old habits. Um, that's as articulate as I can be. Beautiful. Yeah, a lot of clarity there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Major, major breakthroughs. Yeah. yeah. You're doing the work. It's showing up in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so happy for you, Scott. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I had a car accident, and I'm just so glad to be alive. And God, said, I know. God said, you know, He kept me alive for a purpose. To and there's so much more I want to do and share with the world. And I'm going to start crying. I'm just so grateful. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to have a beautiful time working with those children. Yeah. 
And they're going to be blessed by you every day. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Who else? Anybody else have some real insight of how you're blocking the answered prayer, pushing it away? Lori. Oh, well, what I saw um, when I was writing about where my priority is. So I was thinking before you had this class that I, I get up about 4.30 in the morning and I do my spiritual uh, session. And, and, but it feels like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm actually walking upstairs, turning on the light to fix myself. And so that was really interesting to see that, that I, I'm uneasy, I'm not free, I'm, I'm feeling like, like, okay, I, to get together, to get it together, I've got to come upstairs and I, and I read the journal and I do my study buddy lesson and I, and I um, read the Course of Miracles and all, what I'm trying to do is find this, the space and the state. So it's not bad or wrong and I don't want to change that but try to find the the spiritual state to make my day to pull me through my day but it's um it's to in order to still so that was something that i saw with the um what was blocking me still it's still I, blocking it's still blocking me i think i think that to say that i need to do it to fix myself i think is the block Yes, 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 exactly. When we're doing spiritual practice to fix ourselves, the supposition is I'm not holy already. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's why Spirit gave me that affirmation. I'm already as holy as holy can be. Sometimes I get emails from people who say, I can't find that in A Course in Miracles. So it's not, I, I, it just came into my mind one day. I'm already as holy as holy can be. Uh, and that was such a revelation for me to realize, oh my God, I'm doing all of this based on the supposition, that the premise that there's something wrong with me that needs to be fixed. And the only thing that's wrong with me is the thought, I think there's something wrong with me. That's the thing. There is nothing wrong with me. I just have this belief. I'm wearing this, this thought pattern and I'm experiencing life through the lens of it. Yes. That's completely life-changing right there, Lori. So the thing is to keep that fresh before you, I am perfect. I am perfect. The fixing has, there's no fixing needed. I am perfect. I, I really challenge people to use the affirmation, I am perfect. I am already perfect. I am as holy as holy can be. My holiness cannot be improved upon. Maximum holiness is happening here. Yeah. Just letting that thought go every time it comes into our mind. So doing it as doing our spiritual practice as a motivation to compensate for our unholiness. Yeah, that's, um, that's so powerful, Lori. I'm going to see if I can find this quote that I love um, from the text. I'm sure you've all heard me say it before. It's from Chapter 18, Section 7 which is called, I Need Do Nothing. And, oh, I, that's right, I can share. I can share. Um, 
So I... Let's see here. Make it a little bit bigger. There we go. Okay, make it one more a little bigger. Ah. Oh, it's a little too big. Okay, um, so this paragraph here in uh, the I Need Do Next Nothing section. Many have spent, okay, release, release from the illusion and delusion is given you the instant you desire it. Many have spent a lifetime in preparation and have indeed achieved their instance of success. This course does not attempt to teach more than they learned in time, but it does aim at saving time. You may be attempting to follow a very long road to the goal you have accepted. It is extremely difficult to reach atonement by fighting against sin. Enormous effort is expended in the attempt to make holy what is hated and despised. Nor is a lifetime of contemplation and long periods of meditation aimed at detachment from the body necessary. All such attempts will ultimately succeed because of their purpose. Yet, the means are tedious and very time-consuming, for all of them look to the future for release from a state of present unworthiness and inadequacy. Right? Your way will be different. Only relationship is a means of saving time. One instant spent together with your brother restores the universe to both of you. You are prepared. Now you need but to remember you need do nothing. It would be far more profitable now merely to concentrate on this than to consider what you should do. When peace comes at last to those who wrestle with temptation and fight against giving in to sin, when the light comes at last, into the mind given to contemplation, or when the goal is finally achieved by anyone, it always comes with just one happy realization. I need do nothing. And there it is. So we, we can do our, obviously doing our spiritual practice is helpful to us, it's enjoyable to us, hopefully, that we find that connection and it is enjoyable to us. And yet, we must take from our mind this and offer to the Holy Spirit this idea that we have to do it because we're sinners, we've got problems, we're not good enough, we're unholy and all of that. So great. Laurel. Well, so in light of that, in terms of our, I don't know, our, our what, what did you call it? Like kind of like our life plan or script? What is it called? Oh, the, the blueprint, the divine the blueprint. blueprint. Yeah, the divine blueprint. Yeah. So in light of, I, I you know, don't have to do anything. I mean, does that does that mean that the divine blueprint I can just relax and and when it's time for me to know to do something I'll know to do it I don't have to like work to figure out what it is yes and so most people work through their most people in their life they think I need to do this, I need to do that. Oh my God, I need to do this, I need to do that. And then we have the thought there's not enough time to do all the things I need to do and that I should do and that I better do and I have to do and I want to do. I need to do nothing is really about 
We're already perfect. We need do nothing. We can do all manner of things. I, I do lots. I do lots and lots and lots. But I do it from the, the, the place of offering. I'm making offerings of the things that I do. And I do things because I enjoy them. Because I enjoy the results that, that come from them as well as, you know, there are plenty of things that I do. I don't enjoy deeply the doing of them, you know, the balancing the checkbook and stuff like that. But I enjoy the results that come. And, um, but I don't really, truly, I do not do it from a sense of I need to do it. And even with like, I feel like I can pay the taxes. I, I can um, file the reports and, and pay the bills. But it's a different energy to think I need to do it. Well, I, I get that. I guess that I'm a little hung up on the divine blueprint. I don't, have we talked about that? No, no. <laughs> Because it, it, um, it, I mean, it interests me, but I'm also, you know, having questions about what that means. Yeah, so, so it's like, in A Course in Miracles, it says the script is already written. Mm -hmm. And that's just another name to me. Divine Blueprint and the script are two names for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, Divine Blueprint is a bit more meaningful than a script. But, yeah. You know, um, uh, Jesus was, uh, I, I often have the sense that Jesus was in many ways mentored by Master Saint Germain, who um, it's been, it's many believe incarnated as Shakespeare in one of his lifetimes. And um, so uh, the idea of the script, I think it, it has that sense that uh, which is the message of A Course in Miracles that it's already written. And uh, what did Shakespeare say? Um, that we're all players on the stage, you know, and that um, and there is this sense that many of us have at different times that we've been here before could feel like deja vu. Um, but uh, so does that suffice for now that divine blueprint and the script are synonymous? Somewhat. I mean, but I, I guess I just haven't, I, I haven't learned enough about it for me to really understand what that means and how it applies. And you know, right? I guess I feel I feel good about what how I'm doing things in my life now. You know what's happening, but I, when I think about a divine blueprint, then I go, "Ugh, what if I'm not doing what I should be doing? Or am I? You know, did I fall off when I got sick? You know, it just uh, it, it's just raising questions." Yeah. Well, I would say we all. Uh, veer from the divine blueprint for our lives. Pretty much. I mean, maybe Jesus didn't so much. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's an exploration. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the highest possibility. And sometimes we really go for it. And sometimes we don't. And we we can be the happy learner or we can be the stumbling learner. But I think if we can take the approach that it's all good, 
And it's all bringing us to the same place. Mm -hmm. We can take the windy path, right? Or we can take the direct path. Well, I, I think what I'm going to right now, I'm just going to choose to be um, peaceful and joyful. <laughs> and wherever that takes me, then that's, that's how I'll I hope that's so important. The right <laughs> that is the right place. It absolutely is the right place. There is no question about that. There's no question. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Thank All right, you. Sonia, you raised your hand there. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I just. There was one other piece in that little couple of paragraphs you read, which was about the holy instant with your brothers and sisters. So would you just say a few words about that as well in this context? Yeah, so it, what, what it's talking about there is the, the holy relationship. So, um, and I'm just going to bring it back up here for a second. So one instant spent together. So one instant where we don't see the separation. We feel the unity. One instant spent together with your brother restores the universe to both of you. So that's, that's why A Course in Miracles tells us that our, our holy relationship is the thing that is going to... Uh, and our, our special relationships, transforming them, this is the thing that is going to bring us uh, restoration. Yeah, so, in, and so that holy instant is that joining together with our brothers and sisters and not seeing them as separate. Remember, too, that in the Manual for Teachers, it says who it starts with who are God's teachers and God's teachers are anyone who's had a moment where they didn't see their own themselves as separate, where they didn't see their own needs as separate from another's. That's that holy instant, that unity. Yeah. So is it that we can't do this on our own, right? We can't just be isolating, meditating in our own homes and think we're going to get somewhere. We have to be doing it in relationship with. Is that right? That's the fastest path. And that's what Buddha taught as well. Buddha taught the middle road. So remember, Buddha went from living in the palace and having all his needs met gloriously and then his curiosity about what existed beyond the palace walls sent him venturing and uh, he saw the hardship and the poverty and the suffering. And um, he went down a path of, of really excessive enjoyment and pleasuring and realized that that was ultimately empty. And then he went down the path of uh, extreme abstinence and deprivation, uh, one grain of rice a day, uh, subsisting on so little and then he realized that the emptiness of that as well that that too was ego driven trying to get somewhere thinking that you're not somewhere right and so then he sat under the Bodhi tree for all those days doing the Vipassana meditation and he realized his oneness and unity with God that he was already there he completely uh, or mostly he, he awakened, attained enlightenment. And um, then he taught the middle way. The middle way is, is for the householder. It's not one of excess. It's not one of deprivation. It's consciously living. Um, and not for the pleasure of the senses, though the pleasure of the senses is to be enjoyed, but not to, to, to escape from... Uh, consciousness through that and also not to be in deprivation so that we're punishing ourselves 
in some way and not enjoying what there is of this world to be enjoyed, but to be just in, in right relationship, that middle road all the way. And um, he said it was the fastest path to attain enlightenment. Which is why, you know, lots of lamas, uh, Buddhist lamas are married, have families. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but you know, that section in the course, it says very clearly that um, the people who go down that path of excessive meditation and contemplation, because they have the intention of awakening, they will reach their goal. It's just not the fastest way. The fastest way is to be in relationship with people and, you know, they're like sandpaper, helping us to refine the jewel of our mind. You know? And some people walk in the world as scratchy, scratchy, rough sandpaper. And some people walk in the world as that gentle refinement. You know, and some people walk in the world as a smack in the head, too. So, and different people are different to other, you know. Some people find venerable to be like a smack in the head, like, whoa! You know, and other people find her as a gentle, gentle, soft, um caressing refinement so yeah thank you yeah thank you yes that's you know i mean for me for so so long the tendency was just uh, i gotta get out of this relationship I, I i can't do this anymore i just i can't i can't i can't run away run away run away and um uh, it's so wonderful now to just stay present, be loving, and be okay with what is. It's fantastic to me. It's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. Every day of my life. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's a very rich inquiry, and, and I intend that you will be inspired to really contemplate it and become hyper-aware of when you're blocking the answer prayer, pushing away the answer prayer, denying the answer prayer. And one thing you can do, as I have done, is to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you to the answer prayer every day and to help you see it so clearly so brightly that you cannot mistake it that's something that i've done about many 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 things over the years is just say holy spirit make it so plain and so clear i can't miss it and make all the distractions the things that i miss Let me not be distracted. But if I am, let me not judge. And just go, oh, I get distracted. But I see that now, making a different choice now. Yep. All right. Let's pray. So grateful and thankful that the love of God is pre-installed. So thankful and so grateful that there is a perfection and a reality that is ours eternally, now and forever. So grateful and thankful to join together with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of recognizing our true nature and our true identity is here now. The good is here now. All the opinions, all the judgments, 
and everything that we've ever been through that was painful, all of that, we're harvesting the wisdom. We're letting the past be the past, standing in this eternal now moment, ready and available for insight, for love, and going forth and sharing the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yay. Yay, God. God is victorious today in us. Hallelujah. Yes, that's right, Scott. Hallelujah. Thank you, everybody.